Welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today from HalftoneProductions.com, the first Australian person we've ever had on the show, our first Aussie, Randy. What can, what can you, what can you, what do you think about that? Literally the, the farthest point away from us on the globe. <laughs> I've always wanted to go, but maybe one day I'll get there. We're, we're honored to welcome uh, comic creator and uh, creator of Halftone Productions, uh, Kiran Jack, to the show. Kiran, thank you so much G'day, for being here. G'day, mate. <laughs> Feel free to throw as many of those out as you want during uh, the episode, all right? I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. <laughs> Or just call us stupid yanks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll get one of those out of him before the show's over, maybe. But uh, we've got a good show for you lined up today in our retro roundtable. Uh, just because we do have it, uh, an Aussie here with us today, we're going to be talking Australia just in pop culture. Uh, some of the great things Australia's given us and uh, just the way pop culture has paid tribute. Uh, to the beautiful land. Anyway, that's going to be fun. And then after that, we're going to turn our attention over to Karan and talk more about Halftone Productions. But before we do all of that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And Patreon, people, you can get on Patreon, give us a few dollars a month and get access to a plethora of uh, unreleased material. You can only get there. So much stuff on our Patreon, just well worth your money. That it is, sir. That it is. And what else, Randy? What else? What else have we got going so yeah, uh, your boys are uh, now officially members of Evergreen. Uh, we should be dropping soon here on the, the podcast network and uh, excited with uh, what all that's gonna bring. We got a uh, new logo, we got you know, some other cool fun stuff uh, through it. So just looking forward to all that. Yeah, very excited to see what that yields. And uh, just, just very excited going forward with all that. So again, keep an eye on evergreenpodcast.com and uh, I'm sure we'll be blasting the hell out of it once that actually gets uh, all set up. So, with all that behind us, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Do it! Do it! Come on! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Oh my god! Let's go, Teddy! Taste bad! All right, Randy, why don't you kick us off? Show us how it's done, Australia and pop culture. All right, well, uh, being the uh, 80s, well, 90s baby brought up on 80s, 80s music that I was, uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention ACDC. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Should have went first, man. <laughs> well, no, I can piggyback it. I can piggyback All right, it. But please go do. ahead. I just, you know, that was some of the, my favorite Music, musicians, songs. I mean, anytime it's on, I'm jamming out to it. So, well, of course, is of course. I mean, they are exactly what they say they are electricity. I mean, have you ever watched an ACDC live show? I've never seen them live uh, personally, but I've got probably like three or four of their uh, concerts on DVD. And son of a bitch, if they just don't deliver like pure non-stop top level energy from front to back and like even yeah. as like as old as those guys get like they never stop like 
pushing it out. You know what I mean? I, it's always a uh, salty topic in my house because my dad has seen them five times and has yet to take me once. So mm. my dad was yeah. lucky enough to see him when Bon Scott was still alive. But um, oh, wow. Yeah, he tells me some cool stories about his concerts he's been to, and that was one of them. But mm. yeah, that was one of the concerts I never got to go to. I would have loved to see an ACDC. That would have been sweet. Yeah. But okay, this is typically where we let the guests go next. But since I got to <laughs> piggyback really quick on Randy's here, yeah. I want to piggyback, and then I want to ask your opinion, uh, Kieran, on yeah. our picks here. So my pick, you know, again, I, I did have a music section here written down. The first thing was ACDC, but the second thing would be... Um, Men at Work, uh, Colin Hay. I'm sure I'm. You know who I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I'm I know sure who you're talking do. about. Yeah, um, they're very, they're very, they're very big. Uh, they're very popular at, um, at the pubs and uh, clubs in Australia. Yeah. Uh, you'll hear them playing on a Saturday night at a local rural pub or a club. <laughs> um, not, not exactly my my forte of music, um, but I mean I'm in more of the punk punk rock scene mm -hmm. and a lot right. of the Australian um, Australian culture. They, there is a, a strong presence of punk rock since the uh, early 80s um, when it first came into the country, I guess, with uh, other American punk bands and English punk bands and um, the the movement, I guess you'd call it. So there's um, there's been some really great talent come through. So punk um, thanks has stayed to... very like prominent in Australia, is what mm. you're saying. It has. Um, there is there was a big movement, very much the punk hardcore scene. It was called. Um, it's still going. Probably not as strong as what it has. But a lot of the venues and stuff in Australia have shut down, which is disappointing. But it's it's still it's still thriving. People are still going to gigs and rocking out and having fun. And that, I think that's the most important thing for it, really. Sure. And I, I know that bringing up men at work and Colin Hay probably sounds really fucking cliche, but I mean, it's it's the truth. You know, I, I men at work was something that was around when I was younger, and though I had heard them and, you know, knew a few of their songs, I was never big into them. It was uh, Colin mm. Hay's solo career that actually kind of snared my uh, attention. And um, mm -hmm. again, I'm not like the biggest fan. I can't say I, I, uh, I, I'm a, I wouldn't even call myself yeah a huge fan. I don't like follow him on tour or anything. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely got some mad respect for him. Definitely a classic. Absolutely. But all right. Sorry about that. That this brings us back over to Korean. What, what, what do you got for us, man? Uh, mad Max. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about Mad Max. Perfect. Are you a fan George of George all Miller's. the movies, all the films? Absolutely. Um, I think that they're they're definitely icons of Australia, and yeah. the they kind of I think they brought us a bit more into the fold when it came to movies. Sure. And the movie industry. Um, George Miller, the creator and one of the was a co-creator of the series, and he brought it to life, directing it and producing it. And I think that when it was filmed in Broken Hill, um, which is in um, South Southwest New South Wales, which is a state here in Australia, um, it brought limelight to the the uh, the country and the I guess the kind of landscapes that we have on offer, um, and it, it, you know it's all I guess three. Well, the first two films were filmed in Australia. Um, third one not as much, and I think the fourth one was meant to be, and then obviously certain reasons why it um, moved overseas. Sure. So that, that they're iconic films. Like you, you can sit down and um, you watch one. You've got to watch the rest of them. Oh, they're yeah. uh, they're addictive. 
apocalyptic, uh, apoc- bleh, let me try to get that word out. Apocalyptic <laughs> movies always are, and uh, to me, yes. I love them. Did you uh, ever see The Postman with Kevin oh, Costner? Yeah, yeah, it was a very much a '90s film. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> Along with what was his? Uh, what was the other one he did? It was in the water. Waterworld. Uh, Waterworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they probably could have been like carbon copies. I mean, I, I, I had a soft spot for the postman because, okay, I was just going on about how Colin Hay isn't my favorite. Tom Petty is. And mm-hmm. he yes. had a cameo in that film. And uh, so I had a soft spot for it. I think it was too long, but I think I like what they were doing. But Waterworld, I remember like starting that film and like within the first 10 minutes, I was watching Kevin Costner drink his own piss. That sounds like a perfect uh, metaphor for how the rest of this might go. (laughs) Although it did have the legendary Dennis Hopper in it, so this is true. It's very true. Nothing against anybody in it. I mean, Mm. Kevin Costner, I dig Dennis Hopper, totally, absolutely. But Mm. um, you know, you just never know. Sometimes something looks like it's going to be a big, glimmery box office smash, and other times it just becomes a Batman and Robin, doesn't it? Or a Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the better the better uh, pick of the two because that had uh, Dennis Hopper, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it did. That's right. I did. Wow. Oh god. Yeah. Oh. So the, the kind of the 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 way that Mad Max has kind of put itself into the pop culture history for Australia is it's it's iconic in that sense. Um, you know, the first film it has. It was filmed partially in Melbourne, which is the the main city in Victoria, which mm-hmm. is down the bottom end of Australia. And, you know, there are certain images that you see of Melbourne in the background. Um, also, you know, taking up the landscape of Box Hill being a bit more dry, um, barren as well. So, you know, the, I can pick them out when I'm watching it. It's always fun to watch both Road Warrior and the first film and be able to say, oh, that, you know, Box Hill, well, that's Melbourne. So there's those little things you get to pick up when you watch um, Australian films like that. They're on my turf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Very good, very good. Uh, That brings us back around to Randy. All right, so uh, I used to watch a lot of nature documentaries and stuff growing up. And, uh, you know, you get us American... uh, whatever the, the hosts of the show or whatever would always be, you know, kind of standing off. They'd never really put themselves in too much danger. And then we get Steve Irwin, who's like ah, <laughs> diving Steve on crocodiles, Irwin. getting right in the freaking face of anything he was on. And, uh, you know, mad props to him. Cause I know he did a lot for the Sydney zoo, but just the passion he had. And he obviously just didn't give a shit if he got bit and was just, you know what? I'm going over there. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy, though. You would have thought that, uh, you know, of all the ways he could have gone, it just would have been like one bad time with one of those gators that he was always like in the mouth of. But no, like it was Mm. the most unexpected, you know, he would have never, I don't, no one could have expected that would have happened, one, and two, that if it did happen, it would go straight through his heart. You know what I mean? Like it was such a horrible, horrible thing like that. That was hard to swallow when that happened. I think for, for me personally, being here in Australia, the respect that he had and the love he had for those animals was, you know, we always saw him um, on film or on TV, you know, playing devil's advocate with these these animals, <laughs> these deadly animals, and that, that's they are. But also a love 
and what he built for them in Queensland with the, the zoo there, he was able to nurture and care for these and, and make people aware that these animals, some of them being endangered and some of them, you know, being as dangerous as they are, we need to really nurture them. And I think that was, and I think that the legacy his family have continued on since then is right. just as important. So it's really cool to see that kind of continuing on to this day, even after he's passed away. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, that... they, they stay very active uh, doing what mm. they're doing. I'm sorry, Randy, did I cut you off? I was just going to say mad respect to him because uh, I know, especially who, over here stateside, he got a lot of crap. Uh, you know, I think specifically of that scene in Dr. Doolittle 2 where the, the crocodile is like, oh, I'm going to turn around and bite his leg off or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like yeah. you said, he's done so much for just mm. zoos and everything. Yeah. I remember in like the early 2000s, like the the marketing for him like was off the fucking charts like there was crocodile mm. it was like it was like when duck dynasty came out there was like there was like crocodile hunter everything you know like steve Irwin, everything now over here we had like i had a freaking crocodile hunter board game did you guys see the same amount of kind of like that memorabilia stuff over there was it just more yeah, not as much. No, there was <laughs> take advantage of these like, stupid Americans. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the funny thing about it is, like, we don't in the world of like merchandising, Australia doesn't get as much as what America is. So it's always very hard to come by it, and especially in the nineties, we didn't get half the stuff that you guys were getting, which it, it was hard. But um, yeah, we didn't get as much as what you guys got. If you went to the, the um, his zoo, you were able to pick up everything. And then when the film came out, there was a bit more. Um, you know, action figures and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you didn't really see as much as probably what you guys would have seen over there. Oh yeah. I doubt it. Just <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. All right, very good. Well, um, let me see. What would my next pick here be? How about are we Simpsons fans here? Yes, of course. All right. How about the episode where Bart Prank called Australia and had to go <laughs> over there and uh <laughs> rectify his bad deeds? That was such a good episode. And also gave birth to the famous knifey spoony joke. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how many how many American friends have asked if the toilets flush reversed. What did they do in America? They do though, right? <laughs> they do. Well, I don't really pay attention when I flush the toilet. Um, I don't, I'll tell you I what. Don't, I don't necessarily think they flush in a certain direction. They do. They they actually do, though. It's based on the northern and southern hemisphere. I tell you what. You take your camera into the bathroom. I'll take mine into the bathroom, and we'll compare. No, I'm kidding. But but <laughs> but no, it's a real thing. It's it's like in the southern hemisphere. Like it, they they go the other way. And but um. It, it, it was just good writing, I thought, on their part, that whole episode from front to back. And also there was a scene in there where, like when it first happened, Bart had called and pissed off this guy. And he goes, I'm going to take this to the to the governor, I think it was. And he just walks out to this pond and there's a guy in an inner tube. He's like, hey, governor. <laughs> wasn't, there, wasn't there like a side plot with a bullfrog or something on that episode yeah. too? Yeah. Okay. Like okay. they... What was it? They they brought a frog into Australia and it immediately yeah, like invasive species or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a funny story behind that because in Australia they actually introduced a um, cane toad into 
the the native um, ecosystem to destroy another animal and they ended up making it a plague so kind of what they've taken there and they've done that it was been very much on the nose wow. okay yeah who would have known i was very much but yeah they've, they've done their research when they do their episodes jeez i just thought it was the simpsons being the simpsons <laughs> i was too busy out buying steve Irwin merchandise i guess ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i didn't pay close enough attention no it was it was just it was perfect it was brilliant uh absolutely brilliant writing for sure all right man that brings us back around to you what you got Okay, I've got a good one here, and I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. It's a, a cartoon from the 80s and 90s. Uh, it was a book beforehand. It's called Blinky Bill, and it Blinky was Bill? a Blinky Bill. He was a koala. Um, he had a film in the 90s, but he had an ongoing series in the 80s on our um, ABC network here in Australia. I think Cartoon Network had him. Didn't he, like... Wasn't there, like, a, a coyote or something always trying to catch him, and he would just, like, blink out of the way or something? Uh, or I guess it's a dingo, not a not a coyote. Yeah, yeah. I think there was something similar to that in a few plot lines, but it was a it was a huge series back in the eighties and nineties. And okay. growing up as a kid, you know, you'd watch it, and it was pretty like it. It touched on some serious subjects like um, looking after the environment and caring for nature, and you know, bushfires here in Australia. We have bushfires, so having that kind of stuff as a child and watching it, it was, it was just it was such a huge. Um, pop culture i guess you'd call it movement like people really love that series and to this day there still are people i know they've done a recent reboot of it in um 3d animation i don't think it's been received as well and it's just it, it's are they ever <laughs> very rarely very rarely there's one in one in a few that get the uh, the the chance to be able to do it properly but yeah it was massive here in australia um and that was really cool and i think it, more recently it's happening again with i don't know if you guys are familiar with it bluey um, my daughter a, loves bluey yeah bluey. it's it's that it's about a blue healer um and the family of blue healer dogs which are a, a um species of dogs here in australia and you'll find them on farms they're very energetic dogs and they're basically a guy in brisbane which is up top um, of australia he's created this series and it's blown up i think disney have the rights to it over in america so they've put it on all their networks um oh, wow. again yeah, it's more recent. It's been the last four years, I think, it's been running for, and it's um, it's become, you know, forefront of the pop culture world here in Australia. What is it about blue dogs that appeal to uh, young children? Didn't they do Blue's Clues too? Wasn't that a blue dog as well? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. They did Blue's Clues, and then yeah, this, this series has come along, and it's, it's very much the Australian um, family lifestyle. Um, you know, you've got your father, your mother, and they're two two daughters and it's just it's real tongue-in-cheek australian cultured humor and it, it you know i'll watch it with my daughter and i'll be laughing at stuff that goes over her head it has a simpsons element to it almost oh, so but it's a i need to hear it's it's a real g-rated story but it, it has that kind of elements to it so i would definitely recommend trying and they're only seven minute episodes but they are a lot of fun to watch I got a uh, kind of a Tiny Toons vibe when I watched it with my daughter. It's it's kind of yeah. like you said. It's got that kind of adult humor, but it's still accessible <laughs> to kids. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's you know we've got a few cartoons that have been successful over here, and Blinky Bill was definitely one that I grew up with in the eighties. Um, okay. Amongst everything else that was there, yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen that. I think it did have like a short run, like on the Hanna Barbera Cartoon Network. Uh, yeah. Kind of but now the loop too long, it would seem. <laughs> 
You guys are talking <laughs> gibberish. <laughs> All right. Um, we might have time for a couple more. Uh, Randy, do you have another one? Do you want to hit up? I do have it, and it's really broad, but I, I think it's good. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge video gamer, love playing pretty much any, especially old school games. And nine times out of ten, if you're playing a Zelda game or any of the others, and you get the freaking boomerang, <laughs> it's probably one of the best freaking weapons <laughs> in the game. It just feel like a total badass using it and then uh you know you're a kid around here and like oh hey a boomerang and you throw it and then you either take out a window or it doesn't come back and hey this is harder than it looks <laughs> every time i tried to throw a boomerang when i was a child i i realized as i got older i had been throwing it the wrong way you know you, you kind of want to hold it with like the v like the the point going away from you you want to hold mm. it the other way right and like mm. throw it like a frisbee into the wind I would imagine. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. There, look, I, 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 I can't throw a boomerang properly. <laughs> That's what we were getting at. Okay, just was just wanted to clarify. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it's actually. I did it as a kid a couple of times, and it, it's actually frightening. Um, it comes back at you with a vengeance, and yeah. uh, <laughs> it was always that scene of the kid running away from something because that was me. I still can't do it to this day. So you know, it's, it's nothing. Don't be afraid if you can't throw one, and don't be uh, don't be shamed if you can't because uh, here in Australia we can't do it either. They they look like they would be horribly dangerous if you didn't know what you were doing because, like you said, they come. They're I mean, Christ, they're what like close to a foot, one to two feet in di or in uh, in length, and they're like hard, yep. hard ass wood, right? Yeah, they're they're definitely weapons. They can't have yeah. weapons, yeah. Jeez. They're a hunting tool. <laughs> Takes a talented hand. All right. Um, mm -hmm. One last question, I guess. Um, just because I have to I have the opportunity, I think I have to ask, is Foster's really Australian for beer? No. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> it's the worst. It is the worst fucking beer you'll get. <laughs> It's, you know what it is? It's 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 uh it's dishwater. That's what it that's what it tastes like. It tastes like you're drinking dishwater. Oh, yeah, we don't need that. So so no, tell us it, then, what is Australian for beer? I think more for Australian beer is um, Vic Bitter. So it's called VB. Uh, it's a green can. Uh, another one more popular for that is um, Carlton Carlton United um, beer. But craft beer over in Australia has boomed over the last decades so there's like 500 craft beers now so i myself drink craft beer i never really liked the taste of beer when i was uh coming to age and when a craft beer came to the scene i was drinking craft beers because there's a nicer drop um yeah. you know those those other iconic beers that we have here all taste like dishwater <laughs> <laughs> next time i see somebody drinking a fosters around here i'll be like no it's a lie Just it's so funny though, because like in the in the states and in the UK, Foster's is huge and people love it. It's just like I don't know how you drink. I'm sure it's oh, the same man. over there as well. Like I'm guessing you've got a beer that is absolutely filthy, but got it's multiple it's beers that are absolutely filthy. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? Those are the ones that everyone fucking drinks. And I, I mean. I guess I'm one of them. I guess I, I mean, I'm more in your your boat. Like it, you're absolutely right. Those craft beers like have actual like taste and flavor and they're, they're like much more enjoyable experience. But there's just sometimes you just just want to get fucked up as quick as possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
<laughs> I do. Uh, it's a country of it's country of binge drinkers over here, so I do, unfortunately. <laughs> here too. <laughs> and that's a great note, I think, to end the retro on. That, that was perfect. I like that. All right, everyone. I think we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break, and we'll be right back to talk more with Kiran about Halftone Productions. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately 7 minutes. All and right, and we are back. What's that? said I didn't even have time to crack open my fosters over here. Jeez. Trying <laughs> 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 to make him throw up, dude. <laughs> yeah. Make me gag. <laughs> All right. We are back now with the Korean Jack to talk more about Halftone Productions. Man, thank you so much again for uh, being here. I know it's like 8 o'clock at night for us, and it's just you're just in the morning over there, right? So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, 9 o'clock here in the morning, so it's... Nice and early, but it's good. Got my coffee. I'm good. Wow, wow. I well, I hope we uh, kick your Monday off. Kicked your Monday off well for you, man. But uh, first, let's let's talk about Halftone Productions. Uh, looking at this website, it, it just looks like it's a cool hub for uh, entertainment. I mean, you get on there. There are uh, tons of cool commissions, tons of cool looking comics. There's a podcast on there uh, for the uh, Halftone Productions and a bunch of other stuff. So I guess in a nutshell, can we first uh, just kick off with you telling our listeners uh, about Halftone Productions? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was conceived back in 2015, and I basically started this as the podcast. It was just a podcast talking to independent creators who I'd met around Australia at conventions. And from there, it was kind of the realization of like, oh, I could be making my own comic books. And so from that, it was kind of like, okay, well, where do I start? And I started networking with a lot of groups on social media who were creators in all around the world, basically, and having them on the show and talking to them and getting their, their mindset on what they think, you know, what, what works and what doesn't, um, you know, applications to use. And from there, it kind of, it just became the monster that it is today. It's kind of, it consumes a lot of my time, but it's it's an enjoyable experience, and I really do love doing this. Sure, absolutely. So you're saying the podcast is what uh, plugged you in to that network that allowed all this to happen? Yeah, it was it, it was it basically the brainchild for the where I where I began. Wow. Awesome. Okay. I mean, I mean, I can totally see that. Hap we you know we've been doing this going on what now, Randy? Eight years in October, eight, I think. Eight eight years in October. Yeah. And just the uh, the network of people and comic creators and stuff we've met. Now, mind you, if I had a lick of drawing or writing talent in me, I, I may have done the same thing because you're right. There's just so much freaking talent mm -hmm. around you all the time. Uh, that's really cool. So so let's then, if that's the case, let's start with the podcast. Like what, what was <laughs> the initial uh, like idea of the podcast? Well, I'd been podcasting with mates beforehand on comics and video games, just the, the general vibe of talking about what we're reading and what we're playing. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, I was going to conventions for the last, I've been going to conventions probably the last 15 years, and I love going to them. But I, what I noticed was that there was a, a small section for independent creators. And so I picked up a few comics that were there 
And then my local comic book store in Melbourne at the time, they had independent section. And I was like fascinated by how is this happening? Like there's a whole section for indie creators. Mm -hmm. So I started going up and talking to these people at conventions. And actually then I thought, well, why am I doing a podcast and kind of giving back and getting them more exposure within the community? So I started a podcast. It was slow to start off with and trying to get people on board. People weren't very comfortable about talking about their work. And um, eventually we got to that point where we started building a, a network of creators that would come on and talk. Um, previous guests like Ruben um, Romano, who's been on before with you guys, oh, yeah. he became very good friends with him via social media. And, guy. you know, and we've been able to work together more recently on projects, which has been great. And, you know, it, it, the podcast itself is still going. It's not as big as what it once was. We were doing an episode each week when we started. And now we've cut back to maybe 13 episodes a year just because of the scheduling of everything else that goes on around me. But it was a great tool to push everyone out there. So there was that little spark that kind of inspired me to go, okay, well, there's people out here making comics and they're just as good as what the big guys are putting out. So I was like, they should be getting recognition for what they're doing. Um, and I'd become quite tired with the um, the big guys because of the stories they were putting out and they just weren't appealing to me as a reader. Sure. So I was like, all right, let's go out and try and see what else is out there. And yeah, it just, it's just it been so much fun to be able to connect with people and talk to them about like-minded things as I never realized that was out there. So the podcast has really been a great um, tentpole to build this all together. That's an awesome. amazing uh I don't know. I guess like when we start doing this, like we never would have expected such a thing. It's amazing the kind of network that just having the idea to sit and record some thoughts onto mm -hmm. a microphone can pull together, isn't it? It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So let's talk about some of these comics then. Um, one of which uh, I saw, I think it was on your website that you had said that you were a, a baker for some time. And mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you had the idea of a comic called uh, Rise of the Talking Bread, which, bravo, love the title, love the title. Um, so uh, can you tell us maybe a little bit about that, some of your other comics, and uh, just some of the other comics that are presented on the website? Yeah, um, the Talking Bread, well, like, like you said, I, I was a baker for 10 years. Um, it was an interesting career choice. Uh, always had my foot in the water with with art so it was drawing and loving that so I'd still kept my foot in the water but also with the talking with baking I had met some interesting characters and by the time I left that to become a uh, graphic artist uh, illustrator and designer I was kind of like there was still an inkling there to kind of like the last nail in the coffin to like signal off that goodbye moment for baking and then I kind of thought well let's do something really weird let's do something that not everyone else is doing I grew up reading comics like The Mask the Max, um, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. I was like, let's let's do something really out there. And I was like, why don't I just do about bread? I mean, the talking bread. And I'm surrounded in inspiration every day. I might <laughs> exactly. Something really whack that no one would really think of. So it was kind of like, all right, let's do this. I work with some really interesting characters in my time. I'm not saying names and pointing fingers because of legal reasons. I don't want to be sued. And um, I was kind of like, all right, let's do this. And so 3 a.m., funny, funnily enough, I was awake early hours in the morning and I actually pitched the idea to Ruben because um, he was online. I was talking to him. I was like, what do you reckon this idea? And he's like, do it, man. He goes, people love this. They'll eat it up. And I'm like, all right, here we go. We've got puns left, right and center. Let's oh, yeah. just go for it. So. I started off small. I basically did it as a, um, a newspaper 
style comic book, which was just going to be strips. And then it kind of developed to be more. And I was like, all right, well, we've got an idea here. Let's build it. So um, talking to a lot of people and getting more information from them on how to produce a comic book and how to write and all that. Cause I had no real experience in writing, as you can tell when you read it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> Don't be so it's, hard on yourself. It's, uh, oh, it's uh, going back to it. It's, it's pretty hard, um, but it, it, it is a lot of fun. And basically I took it to crowdfunding and we had a small goal. We got it. We got it published through Kickstarter and, from there on, the rest of it's just basically history. It's been concluded now. We've had a six-part series. We did a the Rise of the Talking Bread, which was the um, kind of like a a spin-off series of little short stories that happen in between the comic books that kind of weren't really um, in the comics to make it flourish more. So it's been it's been an absolute joy, and it's been received so well. Um, we're lucky enough to sell. We've sold over six and a half thousand copies of the comic, being a small wow. indie. Awesome is really exciting um i'm so happy that we've been able to do that um and, incredible you know yeah yeah it's, it, thank you it's 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 a it's pretty surreal to when you think about it when you're a small indie creator and you're able to sell that many comics um we did i've done a few conventions now which has been great and having that experience and people coming up to you going you're the bread guy as much as i <laughs> read that you need that on a shirt the bread guy <laughs> Yeah, hey, I'm the bread guy. Um, that's that's something else entirely. So um, we're actually revisiting the talking bread now. We're going back and we're coloring it. So I'm going through that process and we're re-lettering it. We're going to turn it into a trade paperback because the uh, single floppies are all sold out now. Okay. And it's, it's interesting to go back and look at it um, from where I was to where I am now. Um, sure. But it's still, it's a lot of fun and people love it. People get an entertainment. It's kind of that... It is that, uh, I guess, going back to The Simpsons, that's kind of that adult humor, but it also has that kid element. So there's, it's for both children and adults. Sure. You know, and I do. Go ahead, Randy. I was going to say, I was looking through uh, The Rise mm. of the Talking Red and in mm. Purgatory, you sent me some digital copies. Mm. And I love, you kind of throw these like little pop culture references. I don't know if it's like intentional or not, but like in The Rise of the Talking Red that I was reading through, there's a, a moment where all these the bread guys get thrown into a cage with pigeons and mm -hmm. one of the pigeons says uh looks like bread's back on the menu boys or birds and uh, all i can think of is hey that's what the orc said lord of the rings yeah 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 there's there's a lot of those kind of little uh little subtle hints at film and pop culture i guess i like to pop yeah. i like to pop them in there and i love that man i will read stuff like that just for that um i know i'm jumping ahead a little jeremy i apologize but uh you're you're most recent uh your apparition uh mm -hmm. panel that i saw a, a preview of there's this one scene i think where the, one of the main characters is getting dressed in his costume and it totally mm -hmm. took me back to like all the uh the batman movies uh, like the Tim Burton. Yep. yep yep <laughs> <laughs> you see like the ass and he's got the chest and <laughs> i am a little disappointed there weren't nipples there man though <laughs> gotta up your game a little next time <laughs> I was thinking of doing that. I was like, "Is that too far?" Um, <laughs> but it's it's quite it's quite a common thing. You go back and watch a lot of the '90s um, comic book films, and there's always a montage of them getting yeah. dressed, yeah, butt cheeks <laughs> and the chest, and it's um, yeah. So like, I do do that. I think there was even I think I did a um, a, a reference to Star Wars um, Anakin's hate hate of sand 
in the uh, in Purgatory one. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find that now. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's I just like there's just little subtle hints in there, but um, yeah. It, it, look, I, I honestly I love doing this and getting to create these characters and and world build for me has been the utmost joy to be able sure. to do it. Uh, I don't, you know, I've got no intentions of working for the big guys. I've got no. Um, aspirations at this time in my life i'm quite happy just making my own little worlds and own little ip and you know causing trouble wherever i can if you can tell where the apparition's coming from from a certain point um you know being a parody i'm not going to name names again because i really don't want to get sued for that um but it's it's more or less just having fun and it's exactly what i'm doing right now i'm having an absolute blast making these comics that's so much fun and it shows, man, especially with little references like that. Sure. Now, speaking of apparition, uh, you have a campaign currently running on Indiegogo. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we ran a campaign for Kickstarter a month ago, which was successful. Uh, we raised $4,000 on there to get it published. Um, and we've gone and done it in demand uh, Indiegogo, which I think I've stuffed up and it's now just an Indiegogo, um, which is basically, it's uh, I clicked the wrong button and it ended up going live. So I was like, well, that's it. That's done. Now. I can't really do much about that. No going back now. <laughs> and that's the first time I've used Indiegogo, to be honest. We've done Kickstarter now 13 times, which has been to great success. And obviously we're trying Patreon shortly and we're going to do Indiegogo at the moment. Um, so it's, it's failing miserably. <laughs> There's been no traction on it. But I mean, at the same time, I've got to I've got to tr at least try it to see what's out there, and it's been uh, interesting to say the least. Um, but also, we've got, we've we've um, we've got it on Kickstarter. We had that funded. I'm in production of getting that finished now. Hopefully, the funds will be through shortly, and we'll be able to get all the merchandise produced. But creating this comic has been very interesting. I've taken a different route when creating this. Um, I actually built all the characters and the places out first and then wrote the story based off that so it was a complete different process which i that's i think that's part of the fun of creating these comics right. it is um kind of changing up the way i do things and continuously hope hopefully improving um sure because i'm not improving then people aren't going to read them but that i guess that's proof in the pudding um you know, people keep coming right. back to the Kickstarter and yeah, it's a great tool to use to promote and get it out to a larger audience. I mean, as long as you're always exercising that muscle, you, you have to improve. Do you know what I mean? And we've had so many people on the show that said, I think kind of the same thing you said earlier was like, you know, I look back at those first issues and I kind of cringe a little bit or this or that. And, you know, I, I guess I understand that when I go back and listen to some of my early stuff, I do the exact <laughs> same thing. But at the same yeah. time, you know, like, um, I think Toy Story would be a great example. You know, it's taken those four movies how many years to come out and how technology and style and skill has developed in those times. And if you compare yep. Toy Story 1 to Toy Story 4, there's a huge difference. Huge difference. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. does that mean Toy Story 1 isn't beautiful? No, it's gorgeous. Mm. It's a wonderful yep. film. It always will be. It's an instant classic. So... I don't know. I guess I'm saying don't don't you know hold your early works too close to the flame or don't don't feel like you could have done better. I mean, you have to build on something, you know what I mean? Yeah. I oh, absolutely. I the only thing I think now is like I've had a few people say, "Oh, why don't you pitch it to the bigger um publishers over here uh, over there in America?" And I was like, "Oh, 
I don't know if I should. I don't know if they're worthwhile. Maybe I should go back and draw them. Like, don't you dare touch that fucking piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> this is from one of the guys who owns the store in Australia. He's like, do not touch that art. He's like, if you do, I will hurt you. Um, so, uh, who's probably one of my biggest supporters, I think. Um, but it's it's quite it's quite entertaining when people come back and they they tell you that they enjoy it. I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking when I wrote this? It's like a musician. It's like a musician. You don't ask like a lot of musicians. They don't play their older stuff because they know that they don't they don't like it. It's garbage. And yeah. they'll 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 say it live on stage. This is garbage. We don't want to play this song, but we're going to play it anyway because you love it. Um, same with the Talking Bread. <laughs> Not my <laughs> finest work, but it it is something. It's got heart, man, and that's what counts. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, there's always going to be someone out there that it speaks to, you know. And there yes. obviously already are people that it's speaking to. So that's that's awesome, man. So uh, congratulations to you on uh, all your success, man. You've been so busy and have built so much out of what started as a podcast. That's amazing. Um, yeah, thank you. As far as where people can find you, you know, there's halftoneproductions.com.au. As far as social media goes, where should people be finding you? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, on Facebook, we're Halftone Productions. Um, and on Instagram, we've got two accounts. So you can find my work, which is created by Kieran. Um, you can find that on Instagram, one word. Uh, I put up all my artwork, all my fan art, all that kind of stuff. And then we've got a Halftone Productions Instagram page. And again, that's just all the uh, comic books and podcasts that we do. And then we've got a Twitter account, which is created by Kieran again. So that's my personal hook. And again, I just put all my artwork and, um, you know, share different creators work on there as well. And yeah, it's, it's basically that. And if you want to check it out on Kickstarter as well, it's, um, again, created by Kieran. That's where I, I launch all my projects. So if you want to check out my comic books or my past comic books, you can check them out there. And we'll get, uh, we'll get the link uh, to the Indiegogo that you have going up on our uh, social media as well. Hope to push some uh, attention over that way. So Man, yeah. I want to thank you so much for being here. This has been a freaking blast uh, talking with you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, guys. It's been an absolute joy to be on and talk uh, talk about, you know, the retro side of Australia and their uh, their pop culture history and then, you know, just talk about comics in general. It's been fun. We're going to have to do it again. This was, this was oh, yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. This was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Happily come on again. Oh, well, we'll definitely do it again, as long as you don't mind getting up at 9 in the morning. <laughs> it's all good. Okay. <laughs> Randy, what have we on the website, sir? Go to candairpodcast.com, check out uh, past interviews, see our Hall of Heroes, special guests we've had on. And if you're interested in coming on, the contacts, uh, wow. This is why Jack does this shit. <clears throat> if you want to come on the show, there's a contact button. Check us there out. There you go. There you go. You got it out. You got it out. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at candairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And once again, patreon.com forward slash candairpod or there's a button for it right there on the website randy was just uh pimping uh to his fullest capabilities for a few dollars a month you will get uh, bar was set pretty low (laughs) five dollars a month gets you access to the candair patreon pod and ten dollars a month gets you way more a lot of content on there and And merch um, too it's it's not crocodile or uh Steve Irwin merchandise, but you know, damn it. <laughs> no. Just as but, good. But if someone wanted to market us on that level, I'd be like, yes, put us in Walmart, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there anything else? Am I forgetting anything? I think so. All right. Well, with everything being said, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And I'm Kieran Jack. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. I come from a
house is on fire. I need to get help. Do it from outside. Blowtorch. Whenever there's a fire in your house, be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on CandarePodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! This has been a Canned Air production. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.